I run into uh, occasionally husbands who have become so addicted, just like a, a coke addict, they have quit their jobs to game all the time. So then that puts a financial burden on the wife to work. That was Brad Huddleston, who was with us last time on Focus on the Family, talking about how addiction to digital technology can be so severe that it is almost identical to narcotic addiction. And we'll hear Brad share with us ways in which parents can avoid having a child who is so addicted to technology that it begins to ruin family life. This is Focus on the Family with Graham Schnell. And I'm Alison Schnell. Well, Alison, it was quite an eye-opener to hear some of the information about how our brains mm-hmm. are potentially being affected, not metaphorically, but literally uh, by technology and how it's impacting on, on family life. Yeah. Um, I know that there are parents listening who are struggling with trying to manage their kids' consumption, uh, as the word was used, of technology. Uh, and there may be those who haven't even realized that it's impacting on their lives, but maybe having a light switched on um, as they listen to, to Brad talk about some of the dangers of technology. I think about the, the family dinner table and how so often we promote that as a, f- a focus on the family. We say eating around the dinner table is such a powerful thing yeah. um, and it can have such a positive impact on family life. But it's about conversation. It's about engagement. And if you're all sitting around the table but still just involved in phones, each one on their own device, it's not going to work. It's not going to have that positive effect. Mm. And so, well, it's it's great to have Brad Huddleston back in the studio with us today to speak about some of these challenges. Um, Brad, it's so good to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's truly an honor to be here. Well, let me start by just repeating something we did say yesterday, and that's that you're not saying that technology is evil, that we should get rid of it. Um, you're a, a technology person yourself, being involved, computer scientist uh, in your background. So, uh, But what you are saying and what you're trying to do is just make people aware of the potential harm that it can cause, and then also giving some strategies. And I think that's where we want to get to today um, so that people can can navigate this digital era that we're in and families can navigate this Um, we covered a lot of ground yesterday but what we didn't do a lot of is talk about the issue of pornography and then video games we'll touch on as well because i know you speak about those two issues being among the top um, dangers in terms of this digital world we live in i know uh, it's just Obvious. When when I was a kid, you would hear about the odd child who managed to get hold of a, a dirty magazine, you know, and that was difficult. And then he would look at this stuff, and and it was probably not anywhere near as as bad as and obscene as what's out there now. But beyond that, it's just so accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you talk a little bit about this this danger that we have in the form of pornography through these devices that even a nine 10-year-old will have in the playground at school. Right. One of the most shocking things that happened to me about five years ago, I was speaking at a professional development for a group of teachers, and two grade three teachers came to me, and um, well, one teacher did rather, and said that she had just found uh, pornography on two of the grade three phones mm-hmm. of the students. And uh, I realized then just how quickly the age was dropping. Yeah. And then, of course, statistics started to come out about how young kids are using mobile technology now. And parents will say, well, you know, I want my child, I want to be able to get in touch with my child. It's a very dangerous world we live in. And that's true. 
and I agree with that. Uh, you, you can't just turn them loose now uh, without some sort of way of being connected. But then I turn around and I'll say, do they need a smartphone? And about 99% of the time, they'll say, well, um, my child would throw a fit <laughs> yes, if I don't give them that. And then they'll say, well, all of my friends have it. Mm. And uh, so there's a big challenge to overcome with just the peer pressure alone. Mm. Yeah, we do educate about dumb phones, and that's a real term, yeah. uh, sm- uh, flip phones. Yeah. Uh, you can still get them. They have no internet, no, no camera, but you still are able to get in touch with the kids. But very few parents take me up on that challenge, very few. Mm. So with pornography – some of the new research, brain research around pornography, it's particularly insidious because you have what is called a polydrug effect, where we compare the other technologies, social media and video games, we compare that to cocaine addiction when you look at the brain scans. With the pornography issue, it is a double whammy. It's not only cocaine, but it's heroin combined. Mm-hmm. So you have the stimulating effects of cocaine, mm-hmm. but you also have the opiate, euphoric mm-hmm. effect of the heroin mixed. And so in many cases, uh, I have read that it's more difficult now to get someone detoxed from pornography than it is cocaine. And it's because you've got that added effect. Mm -hmm. Spiritually speaking, uh, I think it's pretty obvious. Jesus said that if your eye caused you to sin, and he's talking about if you look at a woman lustfully, which is what porn is all about, uh, he said it would be better for you to gouge your eye out and have one part of your body missing than to have the whole body thrown into hell. Now, you don't hear these verses quoted much anymore because it goes against political correctness and culture and trendy, this and that. But, you know, Jesus is not going to change just because we have. His word is going to remain. He's, God does not change. And so that is a guide from him to tell you just how bad porn is from his side of things. He mentions those gouging the eye out in the hell. And I know that sounds like hellfire and brimstone, but so be it. That's God's word. I'm not going to stop preaching it. That's just how it has to be. I love him with all of my heart. And if that's what he says, that's what he says. So spiritually, that's God speaking. From a scientific point of view, the chemical changes and, and, and things in the brain that you can now measure with fMRIs that we spoke about in the previous show is scary, to say the very least. And it's uh, incredibly disturbing it, the number, the sheer number, as I speak to thousands and thousands of kids a year. When I say I'm going to hang out after school or after this presentation for a while, they line up. And this is in government schools and Christian schools alike. The guys will come up to me, tears in their eyes, saying, you know, it was fun at first, but this is awful. Mm. I can't stop. What must I do? And sometimes they'll weep sometimes. And it's a good sign, actually, because they want help. But it's from the kids you wouldn't expect. It's from the kids whose parents say, oh, my child is a good child and would never do that. They will do that because we're all born with the nature of Adam in us, a sinful nature. Mm. And uh, it's 77 percent. I mentioned that step between 18 and 34. We, it's very difficult to know below uh, 18 because you can't just go into a school and ask, hey, sure. what are you doing? Um, but I can tell you anecdotally in some places, I've asked this question a number of times in a number of countries uh, to young guys. I'll say, hey, true or not true, if a guy here, a male here at this school, has a, a phone in their bedroom. Is there a 100% chance that they're running into pornography on a regular basis? And they're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So that, you know, I don't have stats for that. But I, I will tell you, I encounter that everywhere the Internet is gone. Mm-hmm. And so I think the rates are much, much higher than you would ever realize. So what that does then, that changes the perception of of 
what God intended for us to have in terms of relationships. A guy, for example, starts to look at the female, if I may just be blunt, as a piece of meat Mm. instead of a human being Mm. created in the image of God. And so things like romance and love and making love later down the track are going to be horrifically distorted. So the marriage, if they get married even, Mm. will start off horribly off track because that pull for that pornography is going to be much stronger than the sermon at church. Yeah. And at the youth group. So we have to be detoxed and unaddicted, you know, before we can even learn properly what's what's you know, God's design is mm-hmm. for all of that. But I am just critically alarmed at this. Mm-hmm. And uh I appreciate you allowing me to talk this bluntly about it. But the children at the younger and younger ages, I was in another city here in South Africa. I've got a de- have a five part series on pornography coming. I was in Potch. They called me, and this is very public now, and asked me if I would come and do a five-part series on pornography because they had just had a 10-year-old brought in for severe porn addiction. Hmm. And uh, I said, sure. And they said, well, we want you to do it on Sunday morning. I said, excuse me, (laughs) what? (laughs) Really? (laughs) It's amazing. So, yeah, I did Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And the crowds were ginormous. People are hungry. You know, they people want freedom. I think if I could speak to the pastors for just a moment, we do everything we can on a Sunday morning to shield and protect. And we should. I'm not saying you you run roughshod over people's feelings and all of that and sensitivities. But there there's a massive hunger because it's gotten so bad now because we've not dealt with the reality of it. And we're not protected. It, correct. Maybe. And I will say the last thing about that. I get asked about filtering software all the time. If filtering software, if that, if that was the solution... I would not be here today. There would be no need for me to be interviewed. It doesn't work. It's easily circumvented. And for 5% of the homes that do have it, which is not very much, for every one of those homes who do have it, that child represented in that home has about 10, 15 friends Mm -hmm. whose home is unfiltered. So they just get it elsewhere. Or they turn off the Wi-Fi on their mobile device and they just go with 3G, 4G, And they've bypassed everything. So it's easily circumvented. And so filtering software is not the way to go. So how do we as parents protect our kids? And and there may not be a conclusive answer to that. I understand that. Um, Obviously, it's got to be a combination of what we build into them as parents, how we prepare them for life. But are there things that we can and should do um, to protect them? Filtering software is a roadblock. I work with law enforcement as well on some of these issues in Australia. And so you should have it, but you can't count on it. It, It'll slow them down, but it's certainly not going to stop it. That's something you should do. No technology in the bedrooms at all. That, in my opinion, in my research, that's the number one place that it's being consumed, is in the bedroom alone with an Internet-connected device. So a culture needs to be created whereby we have no technology in our bedrooms. Our bedrooms are a place where we sleep. And then we also need to train our children up uh, where the scripture says in Romans twelve two that we're not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, mm. but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We as Christians do not do what everyone else does. So yeah. just because they have a smartphone, I tell parents, if you determined that by when you take the phone away from your child because it's time for dinner or a family activity and they throw the fit in the tantrum, their personality totally changes. There's your line. It's already been crossed and you need to keep backing them up until that personality returns and i have parents tell me all the time it's so good to have my child back yeah. and it's because they've taken it away yeah. so that's what you have to do and parents i want to say to the uh, say this to you god did not 
call you to be a friend to your child. Mm -hmm. He called you to be their parent, and there's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And sometimes saying no, forbidding, it's okay. And uh, the reason why a lot of what I suggest is agreed with but not acted upon is because it involves confrontation. Mm -hmm. But listen to me carefully. Does God confront us when we sin? Of course he does, because he loves us. Mm disciplines the ones he loves but he loves us Mm. he adores us and we're about to touch the hot stove and he's Mm. saying smacks our hand (laughs) and it's not because he wants to do it it's not because he's taking joy in doing it. it's because he knows we're going to about to damage ourselves and we're not always the brightest bulb in the bunch and our kids are still in that developmental stage and it's okay for you to confront it's okay Mm. if you have an argument it's okay if they call you names as a parent and you have to discipline them because they shouldn't call you that we've had this phenomenon now called the cool mom i don't know if you've heard of this before but it's a parenting philosophy that says well my child is going to do bad things so i will just buy the drugs or the condoms or whatever and let them do it at home so at least i know where they are now this is a massive phenomenon it's been written about there's been research Mm -hmm. and then there's the whole parenting thing also where the parents say you never say no to your child Mm -hmm. well this is this is insanity So it's okay to get back to those core biblical values that have been preached on this radio show, Mm -hmm. focus on the family that I've heard all my life. (laughs) It's okay to get back to those principles, and we must, and we must do it very quickly. It's more than okay. It's it's our role as a parent. Our responsibility. Our responsibility. And it's it's having – we've been given that authority by God, and we need to use it. Then we sin if we don't obey him in that. Yeah, yeah. Video games is another issue. Um and I know you speak about the, the the terrible role that they sometimes play in the lives of kids and, I guess, into adulthood. Um, what do we need to do, some of the practical ways? Because we, again, don't want to say throw them out completely, potentially, but um, how can we manage our consumption or the use of video games? I'm going to be honest with you. I've changed my mind from the first book that I wrote on this subject to Digital Cocaine. Um, There's only three instances that I can think of where video game technology has any redeeming value. Um, Flight simulation, I encourage pilots, please use it all you want. (laughs) Um, There have been some tremendous strides made with our military who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and treating them with limited, very limited amounts of video game technology. But it's a specialized area Mm. where they're recreating battlefield scenes to help them be desensitized to explosions and all the horrific things that they've seen. Um, and and in some limited cases, virtual reality for doctors who are doing microsurgery to be trained on how to, um, you know, operate on us. But I've got to be honest with you; they're so toxic. Mm-hmm. I've put it in the same category as pornography, not in terms of the sin necessarily that pornography can be, but in terms of the brain science. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because I used to think, like most people, um, that. Education games were okay, and first-person shooter games were horrible, World of Warcraft bad, all that. But then there's this pesky little thing called the truth. And the truth is the brain apparently doesn't distinguish content. The brain just knows you're playing, you're stimulating it. It doesn't give you a pass because it doesn't go, oh, you're playing something educational, so I'll I'll give you a pass. I'm not going to damage you. You're still stimulating your brain with an education game. And so in limited amounts... I still, they're so toxic. You know, this always blows people's minds, but the the top, in my experience, and there's some evidence for this too, 
uh, the top most addictive, destructive game to the brain right now is Minecraft. And Minecraft, at least in its early uh, forms, was just Legos on steroids. There wasn't anything sinful about it. And I, I wouldn't label it sin. I would have encouraged it because it's teaching young people how to build and how to think and all of that. But for some unknown reason, it's generating enormous amounts of dopamine to the point where kids get so addicted to it and parents get so frustrated, they'll take the game away. And then the kid will come back and say, well, okay, well, I won't play Minecraft, but can I look at some YouTube videos? And the parent will go, yeah, you can look at YouTube. So what are they doing now? They're going to YouTube and watch other people play Minecraft to get their fix. And they're calling that, it's like secondhand smoke. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I wouldn't, some of the more modern forms, the plugins that have been written for Minecraft certainly would be sinful. But even in its early form, it's just so addictive. And so I wouldn't condemn anyone. I would just say, in terms of your brain health, and especially the younger you are, I, I would say no go with with video games. Mm. I, I wouldn't. I don't want to be legalistic. There's a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians, and it says this: "All things are permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial." Mm. And then he draws a line and he says, "All things are permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by it, controlled by it, or addicted to it." Mm. So if you if it is addictive to you. Regardless of content, it should be put down. And I just find that video games are as addictive as pornography, and and they they grip, they control. And I would recommend. I wouldn't say it as a legalistic. Let's burn them all, uh, but I would say we should probably play board games instead. So let me leave you with this thought on that, because I want to talk about the solutions. You can play chess. Chess is a great game. You can play it on the screen, but you're and it's not sinful. But you're going to have all of the complications that we've been talking about with screens. But if you play chess on a table with another human being, you do counseling here at Focus on the Family, and you know what that's about. It's, it's about 80% listening, just trying to get people to talk. Mm -hmm. Their brain will change. Mm -hmm. Endorphins will get released. The pressure will go off of them. Mm -hmm. The same thing does not happen with social media. It doesn't happen in their video game chat rooms. To a limited amount, it'll help them in terms of being able to talk and encourage on social media. I'm not against it, but it, it works primarily at its peak when you're face-to-face. -face. And so playing a video game online, you have all the brain issues, but if you play it at the kitchen table, you'll get smarter, and that wall that I've been talking about, that resistance, yeah. doesn't go up. Yeah. So play games, lots of games. You just play board games, analog games. I'm not saying not to have fun, yeah. but the video games, even like Minecraft, it's not sinful. Chess, all of that. It's just messing with the brain. And I would just say it would be better in that case. That's one of the things you can get rid of to balance out those scales and put analog games in there and have lots of fun. You spoke in your book about the digital home and people being isolated. You used this thing called isolation, which I really loved because I think it's so true. You've got people in different places in the home, so they might all be under the same roof. Mm -hmm. The kids are gaming and the parents are on social media. Everybody's there, but there's no real connection happening. Yeah, I loved what you said about that. If you've got anything more to touch on there, please do. Well, the word family in and of itself is a cohesive unit. Mm. When we are under the same roof in our respective rooms with our door shut, uh, we have isolated ourselves, but we've also split ourselves off into individual segments. We're not functioning as a family. Mm. God's design, of course, is that we function as one. Mm. Well, the enemy of our souls loves this whole technology thing 
by getting us off to ourselves, thinking differently, and, and nobody's thinking alike, makes uh, family devotions nearly impossible. It makes uh, you can go to to church, but my wife has video footage when I'm preaching in big churches and small churches, but big churches. She'll go around with a video camera, unbeknownst to people, and she'll videotape. She's we have footage of people gaming, uh, doing social media. And now that looks, you know, that they, they would tell you they have, they brought their phone for their Bible app. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the truth is. They'll sit there, and they'll quickly get bored, and so they'll check social media and come back and listen to the pastor. But their brain has switched, and they've missed everything when they switched that that pastor is saying. Mm-hmm. Families will do the same thing. They're missing what God has designed for us in the home to function every time they switch off. And so you have uh, – you, you almost feel like this child is not even a part of this family anymore. So it's torn the family apart. Mm-hmm. Brad, you've given us some really great practical suggestions you've talked about gauging the emotional reaction with the the child you've talked about video games possibly for the large part we should do away with um, some of the limitations around technology in the in the bedrooms and how we can limit that but it's not just a one two three step and it's all sorted you know the reality is we live in a world uh, that is a digital world um, and it's not an easy thing for us to navigate and what I'd love to do is just ask you to pray for our listeners, to pray for the, the couples that maybe haven't even realized that they're missing out on each other, on conversation, mm-hmm. um, on getting to know one another as a married couple, for parents that are really struggling to navigate this. And it's only changing. I mean, you know that, that the, the technology is just advancing. There's new things. Um, and so, you know, in a year's time, we could do another program and have some more issues to discuss. Um, so we really need to be guided by mm. God on yeah. this issue. And his word. And his word. Mm. Um, so would you would you do that? Would you pray for us and yeah. pray for every parent and family mm-hmm. and couple and person out there and child yeah. um, as, we, as we close? I'd be honored to do that. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the, the mom who's listening to me who's... Uh, in tears because this has resonated. They feel like they've lost their child to gaming and they feel guilty because they've purchased the game. I pray, F- Father, for your your peace to know, uh, to be known in, in this mom's heart, dad's heart, whoever's listening, that this is resonating with it. Your grace is still there. If, if we'll just do those uh, acts of turning around, repenting as you lead us, that your, your power is there. The grace of God is the power of God to accomplish the tasks that you've given us. So give your grace to our, our listeners to make those hard decisions that involve confrontation. But I pray also for a support network. I pray that the body of Christ would surround one another, pray for one another, be a safe place that we can confess and just talk about our failures and and what we need to do to to make crooked things straight with your power. So, Lord, bring peace to those who are listening, who have gotten caught up in this, just like I have. Give them the peace that you've now given me. Give them the deliverance that you've given me. Give them the healing from digital burnout that you've given me. Uh, Lord, enhance their marriages like you have mine, uh, because I was so addicted. And, Lord, I'm so reminded of how you so graciously uh, were just patient with me as I was working through this myself. Do that for marriages, God. Lord, uh, I just pray, too, for those who are addicted to pornography. 
Lord, I pray today that they would not come under condemnation at all. Conviction, yes, but not condemnation. Let them see that there's a way out and that, mm-hmm. that we here uh, love them. That's why we did this show. It's not because we're mad at anyone or because you're mad at anyone, but because we want to help, because you want to see people free. So would you free people today and give them that spark of hope and encouragement that, yes, I can get out of this dark pit that I've put myself in because God still loves me. God will still uh, pull me out if I just reach up and take his hand. So do that for your people today. And it's in Jesus, Jesus' mighty name that I ask these things, Father. Amen. 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 Brad Huddleston, author of the book Digital Cocaine. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for tackling this very current, very relevant topic. Thank you guys for having me and giving me this platform. I really appreciate you and focus on the family. I have for many, many years. God bless you. Bless you. Thanks, Brad. It was really good to have you back with us today. And we have learned so much from you sharing your insights on this topic. It was so good to listen to what Brad Huddleston had to say today. And his prayer, asking God to help us make crooked things straight, really resonated with me. We are keenly aware of the damage that digital technology is having on the family. I hope that you felt stirred in your heart to make sure that your family is safe and that you have appropriate boundaries in place to avoid the potential damage that technology can cause to your family. Brad's book called Digital Cocaine is available from us and you can order it by calling us on 031-716-3300 or by visiting our website at safamily.co. We do have trained counselors who can talk to you if you need help in this area or any area where you could do with an outside perspective. That number to call is 031-716-3300 or you can get in touch via our website at safamily.co.za when you click the counseling button. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.